Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host, Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR Magazine. So I'm very excited about today's episode. You know, honestly, I'm somewhat surprised it hasn't happened already <laughs> in the uh, 70 plus we've been doing, but I'm joined this week by Olo founder and CEO, Noah Glass. So Noah, thank you, um, first of all, for joining us. You know, I know I, I think we've talked many years ago, you know, really this whole platform of yours has evolved from where it was to being 85 million guests now, I think you're serving, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. Um, and Danny, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, thanks. And first, before we get started, you know, congrats on the uh, number one dining ranking on, you know, Fast Company's World Most Innovative Companies. It's obviously a pretty cool uh, moniker for you. Um, it was a, a real honor, a true testament to our team that is constantly thinking about ways to innovate on behalf of this industry, but also our customers who are pulling us into new ideas and asking us to do more for them. And uh, it's been a really fun collaboration of co-creating those innovative solutions together with uh, our restaurant customers. Yeah, definitely. So kind of the inspiration for today's um, podcast for our listeners out there is I came across a Restaurant of the Future uh, YouTube video that you did. First of all, you're a pretty good actor. Um, when I, when I first looked at it from a distance, you almost look a little bit like Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that before. That's interesting. I, I see my, my brother has a little bit of a Joaquin Phoenix uh, resemblance, <laughs> maybe more than I do, but. Yeah. I mean, we won't get into like some of his villainous roles, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> like like a, John, a nice Johnny Joaquin Cash Phoenix. style. Yeah. Johnny Cash version of uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So anyway, I, I think this topic of the restaurant of the future is something you know, we've been writing about for years now, of course, like anybody, it's really been a, a three-year spell in terms of it coming to the surface. So I thought it would be cool just to have you on here and, of course, walk through some of these things. I think the, the broad idea is that now we're starting to look at not just solutions, but the integration of the restaurant industry. So I want to kind of start from the beginning, a uh, lot to cover you know, definitely, I think a topic that is top of mind for all of us. Okay. So yeah, um, where do you want to start? I mean, I think there there were so many parts of that video that we could really begin with. <laughs> yeah. But where would you say the restaurant of the future really starts for for at least the consumer and for the operator? I think the through line of that video and the vision that we tried to articulate in that video is guest centricity. So knowing who the guest is, knowing what they like, what they dislike, what they've ordered in the past, what they've never tried before, and really sort of getting to a point where the restaurant is able to make every guest feel like a regular and has all of these dots connected back to that guest profile. That's a North Star for us. That's something that we're trying to help our restaurants to enable you know, we have all of the orders that have been placed over our platform, billions and billions of orders. We have over 2 million new orders happening every day on the platform. And oftentimes those are anonymous transactions. They're, they're not tied back to a guest profile. And every time that happens, it's a lost opportunity to know more about that guest, to enrich the restaurant's understanding of who that guest is, what they like, et cetera. So a, a big driver for us is 
de-anonymizing every transaction, tying every transaction back to a guest profile and ultimately helping the restaurant to understand the guests to personalize their experience and to understand who are those guests that qualify as the high lifetime value guests. So there's a paradigm there of lifetime value that I think is a pretty new concept in restaurant marketing. It's not new to the world. It's something that's been around in um, e-commerce forever and ever, understanding what the lifetime value of a customer is and using that to determine typically advertising budgets to go and find more customers that look like your best customers and understanding how much you should be willing to spend in order to, to win over those customers. But I think restaurants have by and large not thought in those terms and part of what they're able to do in understanding guest lifetime value is get into that world of that sort of digital marketing and digital ad spend and customer acquisition spend that I think is going to be a big part of the future for restaurant marketing budgets going forward. Yeah. And, you know, I think a common thread throughout um, the video from when I watched it, and I think you hear this a lot, I think less so now, thankfully, but the personalization of the experience and how some consumers, you know, there are some companies out there that will talk about it being invasive or, you know, maybe guests don't want to get involved. But, you know, what are, especially when you're talking about full service dining and how you can do this in a way that enhances the customer experience instead of making it feel you know, transactional or robotic or creepy even, <laughs> you know, what, what are some ways, you know, that you envision that happening, you know, where it's actually a bolster to the dine-in experience instead of something that really, you know, kind of sterilizes it? Yeah, I, I think that's such an important point for digital in general that, you know, when I say to people that Olo is a platform that is helping the restaurant industry go through this digital transformation that we've seen in other industries. I find that oftentimes they hear that as, oh, I, I don't know, that's going to make restaurants feel sterile and it's going to take the humanity out of restaurants. And they, people are imagining robot servers and, and that sort of thing. I think it's counterintuitive perhaps, but our view at Olo is by adding digital and having the digital transformation happening across our platform, we have an opportunity to make restaurants more hospitable and more human. And that really is about using data and connecting the dots so that the restaurants and the servers at the restaurant or the cashiers or the hosts and hostess at the restaurant know who that guest is and can personalize their experience as a result. And so some of the things when we zoom into you know, the on-premise dining experience that we showcase in the video. The first is sort of a basic thing of the host who's, you know, in the video, brand new on the job, has never met these people before, but because tied to the reservation that they made and the email address as sort of the identifier, we know that it's their anniversary, that host is able to say, happy anniversary. And we didn't go further than that. Obviously, there could be a whole conversation. But the idea is that this is a special moment for these people. That's going to be a clue for the restaurant in how to make this into an even more special dining experience, given the significance in their lives of this moment. And, you know, it, it's one of these little things that makes that guest or that couple feel like a regular at that restaurant, even with a brand new employee. 
And that's maybe something to pause and, and linger on for a moment. I mean, we've all had restaurant experiences like that, where it is somebody who recognizes us by face and by name and had a conversation with us last time we were there and can have turned into a special human interaction, sort of like the norm at Cheers effect, where you want to go where everybody knows your name. Our ambition is to scale that and make it possible, even in an industry that has the kind of turnover that restaurants do, and even at the scale of many different restaurants um, in a brand, being able to deliver on that every single time. So that's the first part. The second part was having clues about what that guest would uh, want to drink. So we had a, a bottle of wine on the table that was connected back to a past experience and the wine that they ordered that time. Um, then we showed a server coming over to that guest and making a recommendation. And the recommendation was specifically, uh, what was it? I think it was think a filet, filet mignon or it was some, some, some Italian form. wine maybe, right? Yes, it, it was Italian wine. Um, it was uh, uh, some, some steak dish and it was knowing to remove the rosemary because uh, people at Olo know I really dislike rosemary. Long backstory there. But that sort of like customization of the standard preparation of a dish based on knowing the taste of that guest and what they had asked to have removed in the past is something that you could enable a server, again, maybe never met this guest before, but en enable them to know in the moment to make a better recommendation. Um, and then yes, with the wines, making recommendations that might appeal to them. At the very end of that experience, we showed the ability for the guests to uh, just get up and, and go and not have to pause at the end of the meal, flag down the server to bring the check, put in a credit card, have that credit card disappear into the back, get keyed into the point of sale, have the check brought back out to add a tip. I mean, there's this insane dance that we've all normalized and we're all used to in fine dining restaurants, but it doesn't have to be that way in a world in which we're all used to using Uber and being able to walk out and having our card on file and a default tip on file that you can adjust. That now all becomes possible when you tie these different guest experiences together, where you know the email address that made the reservation is tied to the order history, is tied to the credit card on file, the default tip setting on file, and you can just close the loop in that way. So that was the experience that we showcased. And you know when we debuted that video, I said, this is our, our vision of the future, but I, I want to say that this future is not as far away as it may appear. All of the elements to bring these things to life are already possible, and they're things that we're bringing together today as we've become more than just an ordering platform, but also a payment platform, an engagement platform, and through our host product, uh, a reservation and waitlist platform as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of debate about a lot of technology, but I've yet to meet a consumer who likes handing their credit card to a server, <laughs> you know, and I think that may eventually even become something that's not even legally okay um, at some point in time in terms of data, you know, whether that's a handheld tablet at the table or something that you're mentioning, which I think with Uber versus like a taxi, I mean, it's such a better experience, at least personally, I, I've never missed that moment in my, you know, 
travels. You know, because they get to see what you tip them while you're sitting there. There's a certain level of uh, anxiety involved with that. And all those type of things, you know. So um, to your point, I, I think it's probably close to being here because it's something that people already want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good. when you're having these experiences in other parts of your consumer life, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the video is this idea of better recommendations and and making better recommendations, not just on your individual order history, but also on other guests and what they've ordered and things that, you know, there's a, a, a concept called collaborative filtering that Netflix has used forever, that Spotify has used forever, that Amazon has used forever of Danny, based on you having bought these things in the past, when we look across all of our audience of all these other customers, they've also bought these things and ranked them highly. We're going to make this recommendation for you either to add on or you know, on, on the homepage, this is the first thing that you see. And being able to do that now across a data set of 85 million guests is really powerful. We can bring that to life in this industry. And it's not something people aren't familiar with. They're just not familiar with it in the context of restaurants. Agreed, what they yeah. are familiar with for recommendations is, you know, I, I go to a restaurant with my mom and my mom invariably asks, do you have any strong recommendations to the server? Mm -hmm. And the server then talks about what the chef wants them to talk about or what they have too much of or what they personally like, but it's completely disconnected from what my mom likes. And so oftentimes she'll kind of frown and say, mm, okay, I want something else. And it sort of feels like, well, why even ask? You know, like if the recommendation that you're getting is not a recommendation for you, but a, just a broad recommendation, it isn't as powerful as a recommendation that's informed by the data. Yeah, I mean, think about how weird that would be on Amazon, right? If you went on there and it just recommended to you what they thought you should buy and say it was a 75-inch TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you've never searched for a TV on Amazon in your life. You know, it kind of shows you how disjointed that concept, you know, really is, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, whereas the opposite side, you know, I think a lot of us when we shop in retail, you know, we're making decisions that cost a lot of money. It's good to have peer approval. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if we see like, oh, you know, we go and read the reviews of like the specific type of dishes, you know, before you go out. And a lot of that has really changed the dynamics of, you know, before you even walk through the door. Totally. Totally agree. You know, and one thing I thought interesting too, um, you know, the license plate recognition in the drive-through, something I feel like we've been talking about for years. <laughs> not not quite there yet, but at the same time, you can see why it makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, talk a little bit about that because just a couple weeks ago, I was at a conference and it was actually a topic that was brought up by somebody who works in the tech side of a drive-through of a big chain. So um, yeah, interested to kind of hear your take on it. Well, I mean, that technology is not, on the come, it's it's not has to be developed. It's not even you know hasn't been around for a long time. That's been around for decades. Uh, license plate recognition. It's sort of a variant of barcode scanning, actually. Just you know reading the license plate. The thing that's different is the ability to read the license plate and tie it back to a profile. So again, back to the the concept of guest centricity and having a profile for that guest that includes amongst other data points, 
the license plate. Then you can see, here's the license plate. That's Danny. What do we know about Danny? What did he get last time? What did other guests like him get and really like? And that can be the first thing that you see. So it's an identifier. And the other thing in the video, not to jump ahead that we show that's sort of similar to that is facial recognition. So a guest going up to a kiosk and the kiosk having facial recognition technology, not dissimilar from what we all use on face ID on iPhone devices to log in. Um, or if you're at the airport and, you, and you've signed up for clear what you're using to scan your face and have that act as sort of a, a physical identifier that gets into your digital account. Um, again, not new technology, just new applications of the technology, tying them back to the profile of that guest and everything we know about that guest. Yeah, and the way that he was sort of talking about it was almost like how you would use it to go through an express lane at a, you know, on a toll booth highway or whatever. So you yeah. would essentially go to eat, you know, fast food order and you just pull away without paying. Um, to me, that makes sense. I, I'm sure it'll be here soon. It does seem a little dicey in terms of the collection of the payment, <laughs> you know, because if you do that at a toll booth, sometimes then they'll just kind of like send you the check in the mail or that you got to pay. And I don't know the restaurants want to um, try to wait for money later. But of course, if it connected to something that paid automatically, like a rewards program, now we're talking maybe about an integration that makes a lot of sense. But um well, that's the thing. It needs to be tied back to an account on file. And so at some earlier time, you would have had to create an account where you've linked a credit card or a gift card or whatever it is, your form of payment that connects back to that account. Otherwise, yeah, it's not going to be like, well, we'll send you the, the bill in the mail and trust that you're going to pay it. Um, yeah, but I think that's a very powerful concept, even just in the payment and I think it's even more powerful when it's the order and the payment and the recommendation and all these things that are part of the dining experience or even the drive-through experience uh, tied back to a guest profile. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think personalization, there aren't people who have a problem with it. <laughs> you know, it tends to be something that I think everyone embraces once they realize that that profile results in recommendations versus straight up selling. Um, I have heard people react to that video and say, I wouldn't want to do that. And I totally respect that opinion <laughs> that, you know, they don't feel comfortable being known and they don't yeah. want, you know, the facial recognition part of it. They don't want the license plate recognition part of it. They just want to go through restaurant experiences the way they do today anonymously. I think that's fine. I think there are many, many other restaurant guests out there who would, realize the utility of this, of a faster experience, a more personalized experience and say, yeah, that sounds really good to me. I, I, I'm in. I'm certainly one of those people. I know not everybody is, but I think that um, over time, it's sort of on restaurants to make it possible for a guest who wants to have that experience to have it. And it will always be an opt-in thing. I, I am certainly not saying in that video, we at Olo are not saying that like every guest must go through this process. If there are guests that want to be anonymous, God love them. I mean, that's great. But, you know, you should have these different service models and enable these kinds of capabilities for those guests that, that want it. 
that's just the more hospitable thing to do. And it begets a more hospi- hospitable restaurant operation. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I tend, I mean, it's kind of a simplified version of it. You know, when people ask me what the restaurant of the future is, I usually say it's just choice. <laughs> you know, because I have something that I call the father-in-law test where this is a full service dining thing usually where, you know, because this has happened with him many times in the past where we would go to eat and he might run into one of these technologies. Um, QR codes come to mind, which we can talk about in a second. And by the end of the experience, he doesn't think he should tip. You know, I remember I did it one time with him and he said, well, we came here last year and I got waited on now. Who am I tipping? A robot? You know, you're like, oh, God, all right. You know, and I make him tip fine. But, um, you know, I get where he's coming from. He's the same way with the uh, with the tablets on the table, you know, not the handhelds by the servers, but the ones that you see at some casual brands, you know, at the end there where you're sliding in or whatever, where he's saying like, who am I tipping? This isn't humans, you know? And you just kind of like, all right, uh, father-in-law test failed. You know, this didn't meet his expectations of what he thought this place should be. But, you know, again, it's, it's, um, I think brands are getting better at that. You know, you want a paper menu, here it is. If you don't want to do this, you know, some have gone full on into the other direction and just sort of using that as their core customer. You know, there's a full service chain who's, you know, 100% in on QR codes and very much about it. So, yeah, I guess talk about QR codes. I'm just kind of curious, you know, where have you seen that evolve? That became a very, very quick um, COVID reaction, a blast from the past. And then now it's kind of leveling into maybe something a little more flexible. Yeah, I think that the way that most people got familiar with QR codes during COVID was a QR code that you scan to view the menu. And maybe that was sort of like the end of the experience. But to your point, it was, I don't want to touch a paper menu. So the QR code feels like a safer way of accessing the menu. Um, a couple of important things happened in enabling that. One, people got phones with operating systems with camera apps that could register that they were looking at a QR code and then open up an action where you could go to the site. It didn't used to be possible. You had to have a separate QR code reader app. Red Laser was the one that I had on my phone um, in order to scan a QR code. And just very few people actually went through the steps of doing that so that when they came across a QR code, it was like, well, I don't, how do I, how do I engage with this thing? Now we have it on our, on our cameras uh, across iOS and Android. So that was possible. And then number two, like they just became more prevalent, like restaurants, had QR codes in uh, sort of ubiquity because of because of COVID and because everybody was facing this challenge at the same time. Um, so I sort of think about this like you know the old GI Joe like now you know and knowing is half the battle. Now people know what QR codes are and how to access them. I think what's imperative now is that people derive actual utility from QR codes. And that's where you can go beyond just scan the QR code to view the menu. You can actually go into scan the QR code to place an order. And placing the order is, you know, a much richer version of that menu where you can see what are the things that you can remove from an item? What are the things you can substitute in? What are the things you can add on for additional cost? Basically, how do you modify and, and get this dish the way that you like it? Um, 
And obviously, how do you have that benefit of being able to place the order without having to wait for somebody to come over and take the order and then manually key it into something for you, which is rife with the potential for error as they're rekeying it in or mishearing you and it's not going direct from you into the system. And then payment, uh, being able to pay using QR code is another thing, whether that's connected to an order or just at the end of the meal, scanning something on the table, scanning something on the receipt, paying by QR code and being on your way again, not having to wait for somebody to come over and hand you a check presenter. Um, so I, I think those are all great use cases that really deliver genuine utility on the guest side. Again, if a guest wants to use it and on the brand side, you know, they enable the brand to cover a dining room with fewer servers. Fundamentally, I mean, that's what you hear from brands that have deployed QR code ordering or QR code payment even is we're able to serve the same number of guests with fewer uh, servers inside the restaurant or fewer servers attending to the tables and uh, to do these of rote tasks of order taking or check presenting and more time for them to deliver genuine hospitality of having conversations with the guest, of making sure that everything's okay with that guest of, you know, clearing plates when someone's done with a course. So I, I think that's compelling. If it enables the humans to be humans, it enables the transaction to kind of fall um, to the background. I think that's a great thing. And, and, Another great example of how technology can up-level hospitality, not erode it. Yeah, and in some cases, you could pool all the tips, which helps. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you, you know, know so. what, what I've heard anecdotally is tips go up. And part of it is your father-in-law test that, like, when sure. you're asking um, for a default tip, you can set that default tip at a level that, you know, is a, a good tip, then you can allow people to add on to that if you'd like. Um, I've heard servers yeah. saying they're earning more in tips when digital is happening on premise than when it's, you know, non-digital manual transactions. Yeah, I mean, that makes some sense if you think about, like, if you turn the, you know, the old school version of there, turn the tablet around and it's 15, 20, 25% on there, there isn't a 4%. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you would have to go and type in, you know, some kind of really low tip or push 4%, something that takes more steps than you just going, all right, fine, whatever, and just hit 15. You know, so maybe you eliminate some of those surly type of father-in-law uh, moments, you know, where he might just go, I don't know how to use this here. Take whatever his button is and he walks away. <laughs> you know, a little psychology there for you, but, you know, who knows. But um, kind of talking a little bit now on sort of the backside for the, uh, we've talked a lot about consumers here, but for the restaurants themselves, I know something that you all recently launched, um, this borderless functionality for Olopay, I think. Very important concept. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about that, I think it's it's an interesting sort of puck of where things are headed. You know, I yeah. mentioned sort of in here, it's a D, I don't know if I can even pronounce this, de-anonymizes, <laughs> you know, guest data. Well done. Um, but yeah, just talk a little bit about that and, and how yeah. that works for the operator. So again, just under the heading of every transaction tied back to a guest profile. That's a lot of the inspiration for Borderless. Borderless does away with a guest needing to create a password 
to have an account. Passwords are a pain. I have never met anybody who likes passwords. I will acknowledge that when I order through online ordering and I'm presented with create an account with a password or check out as a guest, I almost always check out as a guest mm -hmm. or I struggle with a password and it's the wrong password. And then I, then I wind up checking out as a guest. What Borderless does, it enables you to use email address and mobile number as your login. It's very similar in how it works to what Shopify built um, in ShopPay, which if you don't know it by name, it's powering a lot of e-commerce sites around the web where you don't have to put in a password and it sort of recognizes you and lets you pay with a card on file. And it's able to do that because of linking email address and mobile number. So that's a great thing for the guests because when they're coming back to the restaurant the next time, put in that same email address, verify through their mobile number that you know they're Noah, they're Danny, it then pulls up your profile. So it will have the past orders that you've placed. It'll have your payment details. If you're ordering for delivery, it'll have your delivery address. You're in a logged in state. That's good for you as a guest. It removes all the friction of having to repeat your order, having to modify everything the way that you always do it again. It's already captured in your order history. Cards on file, delivery address on file. Just cuts out so many keystrokes and clicks from the ordering experience. The more friction you remove, the higher conversion goes. That's a, a maxim of e-commerce. But it's also, and importantly, it's a great thing for the brand because the brand getting you to order in a logged in state means more data, another dot they can connect back to your guest profile. And that, again, helps them to personalize your experience better. It informs them more about um, your value to them as a brand. And that was the thesis when we launched Borderless uh, in July of last year. We did so with three brands. We're now up to more than that because we've opened it up beyond the original three. And what we found with those three brands and what's held is that, you know, in the typical login and checkout pre-Borderless, only 30% of guests would check out in a logged in state, which is shocking to a lot of people. It means that 70% of the time people are doing what I always do. They check out anonymously. And every one of those is a wasted yeah. opportunity to tie an order back to a guest profile. What's happened with borderless is that that's inverted. And now over 70% of the time when a guest is checking out through the borderless flow, they're checking out in a logged in state. So that order is getting tied back to their guest profile. So a lot of the thing that you hear about brands when they're talking about why having a direct channel is so important versus getting orders from third party marketplaces is, well, I want the data. I, I want the data. I want that guest to be ordering direct from me. Yes, there's a commissions and profitability component, but I really want that direct relationship with the guest. They get 0% of that guest data when it comes through a marketplace. Obviously that's suboptimal. 30% better but still suboptimal 70 plus percent. Now we're getting into being able to tie every order back to a guest profile. And I think that is why we're so excited about borderless, not just for the guest experience and higher conversion rates, but also for the operators really being to being able to align to that objective of 
every order tied back to a guest profile. Yeah, and you know, kind of going to the the broad concept here, more psychology for you, but um, it reminds me a little bit, some ways of how when credit cards became ubiquitous, it didn't feel like you were spending money, <laughs> you know. But so when you check out, this, this is how I always feel like if I check out something using PayPal or, or to your earlier example, and all I have to do is type, you know, my email or login, and it just processes it through a card that I put in two years ago is a lot different feeling mentally than if I have to put in the credit card number for my food order. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's actually one of the reasons that sometimes I struggle with some apps that are out there versus the big third parties, even with the fees. It's like, well, through them, it's just like hit, go pay, whatever. I didn't have to try to log in through, you know, whatever online ordering that they're using. Um, And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, but then again, whenever you do that and I order through PayPal, then I start getting emails from, the, you know, because again, they've got my now, they've got some idea of who I am versus if I checked out as a guest. So it's kind of a win across both sides in terms of friction. Um, yeah. And like many things, as you know, these things are all coming for food now. That's yeah. I mean, the other side of borderless and, and the reason why it's called borderless is because once you've done this the first time, if you go to another restaurant brand's website or app and use that same email address, the Olo platform will recognize you and, and say, Danny, we think this is you and send you a text so that you can verify that it's you. Right. And then again, That's you cool. have your credit card details already on file. Um, and you can imagine in the future, a lot of different elements that could inform your experience at restaurants being tied to that profile. You can imagine, dietary preferences, you can imagine allergens, the more that we can know about you and bring to how a restaurant who's seeing you for the first time can personalize your experience, the better, because it means that they're going to be showing you things that you are interested in and care about. They're not going to be showing you things that you are not interested in, don't care about. And they're going to remove the friction from that ordering experience if they have payment details on file, delivery address on file, etc. So we think that's an example of sort of the strength in numbers kind of power of a, a platform like Olo that's now serving 87,000 restaurants across 600 brands. And on the other side has 85 million restaurant guests that order at those restaurants through Olo that we can serve as the conduit that connects those, those two groups together. Gotcha. Well, no, it's been awesome. But before I let you go and ask you one question, um, I guess I guess it's April. It's not really early in the year anymore. But if you're looking just toward the end rest of the year, what is maybe a technology or just a restaurant topic do you think is going to be on everybody's minds, let's say six months from now that we're not talking about now? And maybe a year from now, that might be an easier question. <laughs> but what do you think is going to be the next big restaurant technology topic? Let's just phrase it that way. I think the big things that we are focused on and we're focused on as a reflection of what our customers are focused on are really around digital penetrating service models where it hasn't really existed. And so how we started out this conversation, drive through and on premise being opportunities for digital interactions that up level the guest experience and make the restaurant more efficient at the same time. And maybe most importantly, serve as an acquisition channel for that guest joining the 
digital guest data platform of the restaurant. Um, I'm really excited about that. We're working really hard in those areas, traditionally having served in takeout and then delivery to unlock on-premise and drive-through as material chunks of the restaurant industry. But we don't just start doing these things because they're in our interest. We, we do these things in collaboration with our product advisory council um, made up of some of the best digital thinkers in the industry pulling us into these things and saying, we believe that Olo could be helpful here. We believe Olo could be helpful here. And really, if I look back on our near 18 year history as a company, some of the best ideas, things like dispatch enabling delivery as a service and sort of a utility for delivery for the industry, those all started in that product advisory council. Things like Olo pay and enabling a better form of authentication and anti-fraud um, through OloPay. Like that originated from problem statements that we heard in that product advisory council universally and said, okay, we've got to jump in on this. And then also I'm hearing so much about guest engagement and you know what are the ways that we can know each guest and personalize how we communicate with that guest to drive frequency and additional spending and additional cravings of things they've never tried at our restaurant that they would really like. And I think that's why this notion of guest centricity as our vision of the future um, is how we see things trending from a marketing perspective, um, really an everything perspective. And like I said, it's not a five-year or a 10-year vision. This is a 2023 vision of where most enlightened brands are spending their their time and attention today and we love doing that work with them right all right no well thank you again so much um right before i let you go though you know if anyone wants to get in touch if they want to learn more about the company i imagine they know probably a little bit <laughs> but where would be a good place for them to start in terms of you know if they want to you know learn a little bit more yeah um Olo.com, always a good place to start. Uh, also on on Twitter, we're just, uh, we're Olo. And um, you can find things like that Restaurant of the Future video. And every, every quarter now, we're doing a seasonal release where we talk about the new products that we've, um, uh, that we've developed and that are now live and ready to be used. And so I, I encourage folks to tune into those and hear about the things that we're working on and the things that we are uh, live with and, and ready to deploy to more restaurants. All right, cool. All right, well, we appreciate it, Noah. And for everybody who's out there listening, as always, thank you. Thanks.